This is episode 13 of Hoops Forum, a joint effort of Radius Athletics and a Quick Timeout podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Randy Sherman. Randy, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Missed you last week, man. Yeah, we uh, did our best to fill in for you. I'm not sure it's what, if it's what people wanted, but uh, that episode is up on the podcast. If those of you who have not listened to it, talked a little bit about X's and O's, and you can find that on a Quick Timeout podcast. Just search for that on any podcast platform, and you can listen to that. It's one of those where we did more video than we did audio as far as describing yeah. things, so may not necessarily make sense uh, if you're listening to it in audio form, but if there's any of the diagrams or anything that you hear on there that you'd like to have, you can email me and I can send those over to you. Uh, before we get started with today's topic, big thanks to 323 Sports for sponsoring Hoops Forum. Uh, we're about about a month away. It's hard to believe we're towards the end of the school year here. Uh, a lot of a lot of you are gearing up for the camp season, and along with camp come camp t-shirts. Every kid wants his camp t-shirt. So if you're in the market for camp t-shirts, right now there's a moisture management one-color print tee that 323 Sports is offering, $6.99 a piece. Great price for that. To learn more about that deal, you can visit 323sports.com or contact sales at 323sports.com. They'll be able to do it right for your sports program and for your sports camps this summer. So uh, check them out. Most coaches across the country entering now, shifting gears to our off-season mode. And so to stay in line with that, we, we're going to talk today uh, about conducting self-scouts. Uh, this is something that I know if you follow Randy, especially online, he talks a lot about this. And so the things that we're going to be talking and discussing today, kind of keeping it to like three areas of concentration, we're going to try to boil it down for you. I say we, I'm the one who typed up the rundown. Randy is the one who did all the work. So give it, make sure that he gets the credit for this. Well, I, w- uh, I welcome your ideas as long, you know, on this topic as well. I mean, this well, is something that could, that could definitely change in format and if there's a better idea. I'm I'd love to hear it. Yeah. As I, as I went down through it, some things that we're actually discussing as a, as a staff today, we're going away uh, as a group to to a camp and going to spend some time talking about some of these things. So it's like perfect timing okay. for, uh, for me in particular. So I'm excited to talk a lot about this. You obviously kind of shifted gears, but you've done this in the past as a coach yourself. Mm-hmm. The timing of it, I've heard some coaches, they give themselves a little bit of a break to let things, I don't know, them, allow them to regurgitate some things maybe uh, yeah. before they had to sit down and start writing things out. But like, what was the process for you? I, I really needed a, a little bit of a break at the end of the season, whenever it ended, like I, I didn't even want to look at a basketball or hear one bounce for like a, not, not too long though, <laughs> you know, a couple weeks. Uh, usually when our season ended, it kind of butted up against spring break. So if there might be a, a week of a uh, week or two, uh, depending on how far we advance in the in the state playoffs, a week or two after spring break, and then I'm kind of looked. I always looked at that Monday, if you will, after we get back from spring break. It's like the beginning of the calendar for next year's team, if you get what I mean. Like like that's like the fiscal year begins on that date for the for next year's team. Seniors have graduated, transfers. If you're a college coach, have moved on or or, or or removed themselves or whatever, and and we're we're left with working for next year's returning returnees. So that that's kind of when I began this process was two to three weeks after the season. I, I wasn't one who's like, okay, we lost Friday night and Saturday morning. I'm cranking up the video, looking at our season. I I, I needed a little bit of a of just a mental decompression. I felt like that time, just a couple weeks or a few, um, gave me time to kind of go back and look at our season kind of 
with, with a little bit of, of, of removal, a little bit of um, distance to where not all this, the, the, uh, not all the things will be as fresh on my memory. So I look at them more objectively. There's a balance between waiting so long that you forget what actually happened and going so quickly as you do kind of after a game is over that yeah. as soon as the game is over, you're full of emotion and you want to you know, change everything or address all the problems and it's not as bad as it necessarily seemed to be. Yeah. So. If I were to advise a coach, I would say if you're going to err, err on the side of too long though. I would rather it be five weeks, a month, or if I have to coach another sport in the spring, like some high school coaches do or something, I really don't have time to get to it till late. That's probably better in my opinion than just like jumping right back in the day after you got eliminated or won or whatever, you know, because I I do want a bit of forgetting because one of the things we'll talk about going forward is like, I want to sort of be able to look at my own team as if I'm not the coach of that team objectively without any of any, like you mentioned, the emotional attachments, like almost like do a mental cartwheel if I can, like of, of like, this is not my team, even though it is, what do they look like? What What's happening on the court with this team? So let's go ahead and kind of get to the process. And we want to talk about these three areas and some talking points, thinking points, and some things for coaches actually to write down instead of maybe talking around things. So first one to address kind of the idea of like, who are we? And mm-hmm. encompassed in that, you have kind of like an exercise that you do for your team. Can you explain for for a coach what do you what do you mean, and how does that exercise help them in addressing this idea of who are we? One of the things that I, I always say that the, the best time to do what we're about to talk about is the day you get hired to lead a program. The, the second best time is now, if you haven't done it, you know. So I call them pillars. That word gets used to sometimes mean like our 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 culture pillars like communication, trust, and things like that. For me, that word meant things between the lines, the X's and O's, because this is really what we're what we're doing a self-scout on, on our play. Hopefully, some of those culture pillars bleed over into your play and vice versa. But for me, the pillars exercise was like, okay, as a program, as a team, what are we going to be known for? What is our signature style of play? could be offense, defense, and then I always throw a third pillar in there that could be either or or, or, or something, um, you know, one or the other. If a coach looked at us, well, if 10 coaches looked at us on film, all 10 of them would say this team is great at or at least trying to be great at blank. One, two, three. You know, I can clearly see those things. I watch so many teams and talk to so many coaches who are like, yeah, I don't know. We do a little of this, a little of that. Like we, we, we've tried this in the past, that in the past. And I just don't see that from championship level teams. Like, mm-hmm. like usually those teams, not all, but many of them have like really something defining about them. So I don't know, let's throw out some examples like North Carolina, the secondary break, like that is a pillar for that program. That is something that they do there. They'll continue to do there probably with their new coaching change. You know, like that's what I know I'm going to see when I tune in to that team's game. Right. So we're looking for three signature pillars that any coach scouting us or any even fan who's not an expert watching us. They might not phrase it like a coach, but they sure pick up on it. I just think, you know, there's a bell curve to teams from bad. Most are just OK. And then some are very good. And I think when you get over here on that very good bell curve, like we can rattle off like, man, this team, their one, two, two press is is man, you you're, you know, you're going to face it. You get ready for it. and You just can't simulate it. 
they're pressure man-to-man defense. They're on the line, up the line, in your shorts. And, man, we tried hard to simulate and practice, but we weren't ready for it, even though we knew it was coming. That's what I'm talking about. What is it about your team and your program? Two, three, four, you get into five or six, it's probably too many, right? Like, what are those calling cards going to be for your program? I would guess that some of this has to do as well with looking back then and tying it in, not just to games, but like, what did we work on in practice? Yeah. I mean, like if we, we, we identify those things, like I said, the, the day I got hired, right? That this is what I'm walking in the gym to create. So, so it's a part of the self scout in that like, okay, the season's over. Can I go back objectively and look at our team and say, yes, we are clearly excelling in these three, four areas, right? That I called pillars. It should be clear. If it's not, then uh, we failed as an organization to to brand our team like we said we were going to. Did you ever ask your players to, to help with this? Like ask your players like, okay, who are we and hear what they had to say? Um, this will not be popular with the hipster coach crowd, but no, I did not. We, it, <laughs> I, um, I just wonder sometimes if like they know what we're trying to do. Like it's clear in our mind. But in our players' mind, like they don't really know what's what, what's going on. I well, would think I, that that would, and that doesn't always because maybe they don't necessarily know how to communicate that or whatever. But like if I ask them, what are what are we known for, or what are we trying to accomplish, and they give me something that's absolutely nowhere near, that should probably clue me in that I I haven't really communicated to them what's important. Yeah, that 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 should probably clue you into that your words aren't matching the actions with your practice time. Yeah. It was like, yeah, this, these are our, what else? This is all we work on. So yeah, I'm pretty clear on what coach, you know, this is, this is what we work on every single day, whether we win one last night, lost last night, this is what we do every day. So what, what else would our three pillars be? That's good. Okay. All right. Step number one, let's go ahead and move on to step number two here. And step number two is one that we've addressed several times on this show. So it may not be totally new, but kind of going inside the numbers a little bit, looking at the numbers, yeah. there's a lot of numbers at our disposal. Don't feel bad about maybe repeating yourself uh, yeah. from past episodes, or maybe this will get people to go back and listen to those past episodes. Sure. But maybe in addition to that, what are the most important numbers that you're looking at? Some of that might be tied to your pillars because different styles of play are, are in different tactical decisions are there to sort of drive up maybe different four of the four factors. I think the numbers just really serve as like a report card. They clue us into how we did. What was our shooting percentages? And that's that's encapsulated in effective field goal percentage. How effective was our defense? That's encapsulated in our opponent's effective field goal percentage. How well do we take care of the ball versus our opponent? That's captured in turnover percentage and the rebounding percentages. That That's also one of the four factors, offensive rebounding, which conversely is our opponent's defensive rebounding. And how do we look there? So I just looked at it as like a report card for how we did. And I'm looking for like, okay, what is our biggest problem area if we have one? Which of these avenues are we, are we struggling in? You know, which, which of these... You know, maybe we had a pretty good offense when we got a shot, but we turned it over 25% of the time. You know, that's too high. So so I might spend a lot of off-season time like, hey, that priority number one is let's go back and look at our turnovers. They're undermining our points per possession. When we got a shot, we shot it pretty well, but we, we have a turnover problem. I'm, I've got to go back with some distance, evaluate that, and say, okay, what situations, what scenarios on the court are causing us to turn the ball over? Is it traps? Is it baseline drives? Is it, you know, any number of things? Like if I can find some categories and unpack by the numbers, give me my report card. I got to use the film to get 
into the nitty gritty about some root causes. I'm looking for scenarios I can recreate if it's for the use the example, if it's the turnovers that are undermining our team. Like, is there something that's popping up as I go back and look at all these turnovers over and over again? Like every time we're trapped, we don't have sideline, long diagonal, middle, reversal. Like now I've identified something that maybe I undertaught and need to move up the priority chain to to address. So inside the numbers is just a way of 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 looking back at lots of things problem areas. It's a way of looking back at our shot allocation. It's a way of looking back at our goals. Are they being met or, or how far do we have to go to be a good team statistically, at least? We're in the postseason phase and we're allotted a few days to get, to work with guys after the season is over. One of the things that we did look at was how are we committing these turnovers? And a lot of it had to do with our, we had a young team, had to do with poor footwork, and then also decision-making, recognizing secondary help defenders, picking up charges, that sort of thing. And so it actually then changed the days that we had in postseason from doing just generic skill work to actually working on those things. So again, I just think from a coach's perspective, be thinking, how should this then change how I'm practicing? Not yeah. just the things that I'm talking about, but the drills that I'm doing. What are we doing to improve in our case, decision-making, footwork, et cetera. So yeah, I think that's we, maybe the practical side. We have all this information, right? The first part of that word is inform, information. Mm. So so the, these, the video, the stats, and all that should be informing your decisions going forward. We do want to take a quick break and tell you about our sponsor, Sideline Athletics. Sideline Interactive, the leading manufacturer of scoring tables and video display boards for high schools and colleges around the country. With their technology, you have the capability to increase your school's revenue, improve fan experience, and just clean up and make your gym look even nicer. So to find out more about Sideline Interactive, visit sidelineinteractive.com. The third step and the third area of focus that we want to look at here, one that maybe is a little less popular or even like a little bit more like counterintuitive to what we think. Mm-hmm. And uh, Randy, you can discuss that, but subtract, don't add. Let me start out with this. I, I, why do you find, as you talk with coaches, why do you find this to be one of, if not the most difficult aspect of these scouts, self-scouts? You know, there's a lot of a lot of coaches who just, you know, maybe this thing's a little harder than they thought it was when they became a coach. And they're just looking for something that will take, the hand they've been dealt with their players and improve it. So the next new thing, the next playbook, the next new offense, the next trend, that's going to be the answer. I'm going to add that. To answer your question as to why, I mean, we all want to win. And especially if if we haven't been heretofore, then we, we're going to try something else. It's it, it feels lazy or counterintuitive, like to use your word, to do nothing if you're not getting the results that you want it feel and by do nothing i mean change nothing to many that feels like negligent almost like i'm not i'm not doing like you know we lost we we got to do something we got to change something we've got to remove that didn't work we lost or you know and i just think that's a little bit shallow thinking and and so i challenge coaches on that oftentimes about like would would it matter or is is what you're considering adding better or just different (laughs) you know if, if it's better, let's, let's talk and that's worthwhile. But if it's just like, ah, you know, like crap, we had a bad season. Like I'm doing something different or adding something, you know. The warning I would give is there's, there's this always and it's in human nature. I'm missing something that's hidden. 
And so I'm going to go look for it. And so you're always hoping that that next thing that you're adding is the missing ingredient. I haven't heard that as much recently, but like, what's the missing ingredient to your team's success? Well, if I don't have the ingredient, apparently, then I need to keep searching for it. So to your point, you do end up with a 700 page playbook that nobody remembers. All this ties together, you know, back to point number one, who we are. What, what is going to be our playing style identity? When I begin this process, I've got to begin it with a realistic timeline for how long it will take for our players whose skill might be here. And this is the skill level we need to win this way. The space in between is my job description. So, so that's going to take time and contacts with my players and practices and seasons possibly, right? And, and the help of, of, for you, recruiting or bringing in, you know, players who fit that style for a high school coach, the help of your feeder program and sub varsity teams and things like that to, to help. All right. You know, this is how we're going to play. We're not there yet. I need guys upstream for me coaching those teams to equip these players. So this happens in the future. So I think it's difficult because like you said, like we think we're going to uncover some, something and that it's going to be an instant fix. And I just think that's a fool's errand. <laughs> so if you can kind of like summarize, like I know you go through a four-step process with your, the people that you're mentoring with Radius Athletics. So can you kind of mm-hmm. go through that? Just even if it's just briefly those four steps so that a coach can look at those four things and maybe do what you're saying instead of trying to find the solution, something else to add. I'll be as brief as I can. So step one, we've already talked about define our style of play, the pillars. How, what are we going to be known for in this program. That's another problem I see is like, coach, this time of year is all excited. I got my pillars. I'm ready to go. We're in practice. And then this year, these are our pillars. And then next year, you know what? I found this new offense. And so now here's my new pillars and our new. So like that, that's not what we're talking about. (laughs) We are going to play this way year after year after year. And we're going to create a system that gives our players the skills necessary. That's step two. So step one, decide your style of play. Begins with that for me right up front. I know like you, like I admitted to a fault, like I I walked in with those. You, you hired this style of play when you hired. Step two, identify, identify the priority skills needed to play this way. So like, let me give you an example. Like if say I wanted one of my pillars, we're going to be the best Bob Knight style motion team in the country. Well, for priority skills for that way of play is setting screens, reading screens, using screens, setting up screens, cutting off, curling, back cutting, tra- uh, out cutting, making all the reads, like anything. But like, let's say I want my pillars to be like dribble drive, right? Like, which has no screens in it, none. So I, I can ignore everything that has to do with sitting a down screen. I, I don't even have to learn that. I can just scroll past it. That to me is one of the problems I see is coaches don't know what they can ignore. That's where we've got to begin because there's so, like you've already said, there's so much information. I got to know for us in our gym, in our community, in our university, in our program, I get to ignore some things. And that's a blessing because I've defined how we're going to play and how we're going to play has priority skills that are germane to that style. So identify those. Look at the offense on paper. What type of shots does it create? What type of skills are needed? Like we've used the example of dribble drive. I got to be able to rip through and start a drive. I got to be able to stop. I got to be able to hit catch and shoot threes. I got to be able to finish 1v1. Those are our priority skills for that offense. Well, if you ran flex or Bob Knight motion, there's a little bit nuanced differences among them. So that's step two. 
identify those skills and work on them and give them to your players. Step three, okay, we've, we've defined our style of play. We've identified the skills necessary to play this way optimally. Step three is what is our language? What are we te- What are the tools we're using, the terminology, the drills, the things that we use in this gym to teach those skills? Here's our skills. What tools do we use to teach them? That could be verbiage. What do we call the screen or what do we call the cut? What do we, that could be drills. Like this is our drill for teaching you know, for getting reps at catch and shoot threes, which is a priority skill for our driving kick offense, right? So this is our drill or drills for that skill. Everyone knows it. My JV coach, my ninth grade coach, if I'm a college head coach, my assistant who's doing individual workouts, they know this is the tool for that skill. We spell those out. It's a great thing to do this year. I, I always say subtraction is a lot of time about re- eliminating redundancy. We don't need five different things to work on the same thing. So we got some redundancy here, trash them, delete them. And then step four is obviously implementation. So we implement the style of play. We implement the, 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 the skills pathway. We recruit for it if I'm a college program. And if I'm a pro team, I, 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 we draft or sign and trade for it or to where the, these, these skills that this match our style of play. If I'm in a high school level where I don't necessarily always get to pick my players, player development, our practice time is about giving those players that may not currently have those skills, those skills. So I got it. The the last step is implementation of it at, at all levels. So that's the four step process. Summarizing the tweet that you made last night, because it can be complicated or be made complicated. You've convinced yourself basketball is complicated and intricate. And I think that's our excuse as coaches sometimes is that we do know that there are a lot of moving pieces and then it becomes very complicated. And I think then it becomes complicated for our players as well. So this idea, bigger idea of subtracting, not adding. Do you have any resources if somebody's interested in kind of thinking through this a little bit more? I do. A couple books. One would be Essentialism by Greg McEwen. That is basically it's it's more of like a business book. I think the author went to like Stanford business school and, you know, and consults with, you know, companies and, and, and corporations and things like that on how to streamline their, their organizations and, you know, stay focused on what it is that company does without being distracted. And I, I found the book very helpful for coaches and I've recommended it to many. And I know a lot of coaches have read it. I ran across an article recently in Behavioral Scientist mag- uh, magazine it's a new book that I, full disclosure, I've not read it yet, but I certainly intend to, but I did read an article on it. And it sort of speaks about this idea of our knee jerk as human beings when we when we were faced to solving a problem seems to be to add rather than subtract. And it, it sort of unpacks that. Um, I, I tweeted about it in a, in a recent blog post called Subtraction Season that I wrote a couple of days ago. You can find that on my Twitter feed at Radius Athletics. But those would be some reading recommended readings. Two, there's another book called The One Thing. The author is, I'm drawing a blank on that right now, but it's called The One Thing. My, my last name might be Keller. That's that's in the same vein. As he mentioned, a lot of this, he'll post frequently snippets of it on Twitter. And as well, he has some things on his website as well as his newsletter that sends out. So be sure if you're interested in learning a little bit more about that. I know it can be difficult going and finding all of those pieces across the internet. So if you're looking for all of those together, be sure to email Randy and he can set you up with all of that. Appreciate all of those who joined us this week. 
awesome topic and maybe one that we can come back to and dive into certain parts of it a little bit further later on this offseason. We are planning to continue this this offseason, maybe a little bit less frequent, but we'll be sure to announce that from week to week. If by chance you miss any part of this show, you can go back and watch the full episode on Radius Athletics YouTube page, or you can go to any podcast platform and search a quick timeout, and there you'll find the audio version of the show. Randy, great to have you back. Appreciate all of you. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you.